worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. On today's show, we're focusing on rugby and taking a deep dive into the Six Nations. We'll hear from Andy Farrell, and I'll be speaking with Nigel Kelly, Laura Feely, and James Lowe. I'm Sean Connolly, and this is Sports Beat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Very pleased to come away with the bonus point win, and um, uh, and actually a W, actually, because we played against a good side today, uh, and we've we've known, and, and you guys have known that for for a good while now. Um, that was a proper test match. And yes, we can say that we was off in certain parts or, or whatever, but like any test match, uh, the opposition's always going to have a say in how the game unfolds, and they had a big say, and I thought they was um, very resilient. I mean, it must have been a, a real tough battle in, in, in the forwards. You know, they was, they were solid, weren't they, as far as the, the mall was concerned, the goal line defence. Uh, kept us out time, time and time again. So, and on the back of that, they they uh, cut us open quite a few times with, with their attack. So, when you talk about the game in that fashion, you know, to come away with a bonus point win, we'll, we'll we'll take that and move on. That was, of course, the voice of Ireland head coach Andy Farrell. He was speaking at his post-match press conference following Ireland's 34 to 20 point win over Italy in the Stadio Olimpico was a hard-fought victory, but one that keeps our hopes of a Grand Slam very much alive. I'm delighted to be joined by two of our Irish Rugby Internationals and Tackle Your Feelings Ambassadors, Laura Feely and James Lowe. First up, James Lowe, it's great to speak with you again, sir. How are you keeping? Howdy. Good, thank you. Uh, how are you going? I'm doing very good, thank you. We now have a break from Six Nations action this weekend, and that leaves us time to reflect on what has been a very positive month. An opening day victory in Cardiff on the 4th of February does feel like last week. You've got to be pleased with how the tournament has gone so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like I thought, <clears throat> uh, since the 4th of Feb, obviously three test matches have gone on and uh, we've been quite successful in all three of them. We've come away with exactly, um, you know, what we wanted. We're, you know, I think 15 points on the table at the, at the halfway point. And if you'd told us, you know, before on the 3rd of Feb that we were going to be in this position, we would have bitten your hand off for it. So, um, you know, results have been awesome. Performances still need work on. And that's the great thing about uh, professional sport is that you get another chance in a couple of Saturdays' time against a whole different beast. And that's something that we're very, very excited about. And um, look, I, it's... When we were in Rome, the travelling support was amazing. Um, you know, I don't know how many green jumpers there were in the in the stadium, but there was definitely more green than blue. So um, that was amazing. It's something we were very, very grateful for and um, something that probably helped us get over the line because there was a few squeaky bum moments in that game and uh, we were put under a lot of pressure. And fortunately, we came out the other end. And uh, when we did a, you know, a lap thanking our fans after, you know, felt like 75% of the stadium was still there while we were walking around and um, it was all green. So that was that was awesome. 
I can only imagine just how much of a 16th man that must have felt like on the day. And as you've said, it was very much needed against a dogged Italian side. Mac Hansen was speaking beforehand and he made reference to how Italy are no longer the whipping boys. I think he was very much proven correct on the day. <laughs> Where I, um, when, they, when they played France in, the, in round one, everyone said France had an off day. And then after being in the cauldron, you realise France didn't have an off day, but Italy had a plan. And um, they're, Italy, uh, they're seriously physical up front. And then, I mean, you look at their back line, it's pretty... Uh, pretty good there's a lot of very very good individual athletes um a lot of similarities i guess the french and um they put us under pressure for a long period to that game and um if it wasn't for you know a few individual moments mac included um you know the result could have been different and um very very happy with the result and the way we found uh found a way to win and um i'm looking forward to wednesday to really dissect it and uh find out how we can get better um, for, for next Saturday, yeah. Looking ahead now to Scotland on the 12th and edging ever closer to a potential Grand Slam. I know we can't look past a tremendously impressive Scottish side in their own backyard, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't really want to get ahead of ourselves, but um, the prospect is there and, the res- you know, it's in our own court. The ball's in our court. It doesn't matter about anyone else's results but our own, so... Um, we know if we can get our stuff right, then, um, you know, the silverware at the end of the day will, uh, will, will look after itself. And we're in a great position, like I said earlier. And performance-wise, we know we need to get better because it's, you know, Scotland are playing fantastic rugby. You see where they are now compared to even as little as a year ago. They're completely different beasts. They've always had world-class athletes and they're all playing at at the height of their game, you look at that back line at the moment, there's, you know, arguably three of the best players in the world, <laughs> players in the world and their, and their back line in the 10, 11 and 15. And that's not even talking about the importance that, you know, Sione Tuikolotu had in the uh, in the weekend. It was physical, combative, few nice touches out the back. And, um, you know, we fully understand that this is, this is going to be some challenge. It's going to be a serious challenge and one that we cannot wait for. Wishing you all the best. Thank you for taking the time to chat today, James. Lovely. Thank you very much. From one international legend to another, I'm delighted now to welcome Laura Feely to the show. Laura, great to chat. How's everything? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. The TikTok Six Nations gets underway on the 25th of March with a trip to Cardiff against the Welsh. The squad looks to be in good shape in preparation for such. Yeah, they're coming off the back of a, 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 the development campaign with um, the Celtic Cup and uh, the Celtic Challenge. And I think, you know, that's a great opportunity for more game time ahead of the Six Nations, which wouldn't have happened before. So there's a lot of the younger girls, instead of just starting off against a Welsh team like that, never having played at that level. It's a huge jump from an interprovincial campaign even. So it's good to, that there's that next step up. So there's girls coming through with another three games under their belts. So I think that will stand massively. As much as there's a lot of younger girls and inexperience coming into Six Nations campaign, they're coming in with a little bit more experience than girls in the past would have in that first opening match. So that'll be, that's great. Like. And you personally, a debut in 2018 in the Six Nations against the French and a stellar career with so many memorable moments. 
yeah, I think, um, you know, personally, I had I had goals that I, I really wanted to achieve in, in my career. And unfortunately, not all of them have happened. Um, you know, I, I always dreamt about well, one was play for Ireland. Um, so that was amazing. Back when you said there in, in 2018, that was step one. The next one was to play in a World Cup. Um, and I unfortunately didn't. We didn't qualify for that. But I, I, what I've realized is like instead of being so hard on myself around not achieving that is like enjoying all the little things in between. Um, and as much as like COVID was difficult, we had some of the best times training together. Like we we were in a special group of people of elite athletes that got to train during that time. And, you know, we I look back on that and I'll always have memories from, you know, we were the only people in the country allowed to do things as a group. Um, and then, you know, last this time last year, I got injured and that was another big low. And coming out of that was uh, I wanted to be able to get back into the Six Nations squad, which I did by the end. I was uh, I, I was back by the last game. I didn't get to play, but I was back in that environment again. And I was proud of myself coming through that injury because I've been lucky enough through my career. I didn't have any big injuries until that last year. And then it was uh, the announcement of the Japan tour. Um, and, you know, to be part of something that was that was the big goal for me to get back in with these young girls coming through. And I had missed the Six Nations and I didn't think I'd still have it in me to, to compete against the the talent that's coming through but yeah getting selected for Japan was 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 amazing and um to say that it was part of that first tour I think that I've definitely hit hit some big pillars in in my goal list and uh probably one of my favorites was winning the AIL final with my club then in uh in December so like it's been a it's been an up and down road but uh, looking back on on it it's yeah it's just some huge achievements and yeah I may not have never have played in a world cup but um there's been a lot of pillars on the way that I've got to hit a lot of market. One thing I want to ask, you've mentioned learning not to be so hard on yourself and following the disappointment with the World Cup and your injury, just how important is the bond held within this particular group that you've experienced? I've seen a huge change over the years and I don't know if that's come through like us senior players having that bit of a bond. There's there's a group of us there that have have come through some hard times um, through COVID obviously and being in that environment and, and trying to qualify for the World Cup and then and not qualifying for the World Cup there was a lot going on over the, the years of my time with Ireland and you know there's a group of us there that stuck together through all of that and like I think now we've created a really good culture to be able to talk about that of when you're feeling down or um, you're feeling anxious or just you know not right in yourself and like there's no judgment there anymore you know if there's days that, like you're just not able to train or that you're you know you need time by yourself I think there's a good culture there now to people would recognize that well that's extremely warming to hear that this culture is cultivated at the very very elite level of athlete in the country it can only bode well for the future and it's fantastic to hear that I know you're rushing out the door right about now to get back to training so I won't keep any longer thanks ever so much for your time fantastic speaking with you and the best for the future yes thank you very much cheers tracking sport across the southeast there is nobody I would rather digest the beautiful game with than Mr. Nigel Kelly. And Nigel, we have heard there from Andy Farrell and James Lowe following the result in Italy and preparations ahead of that Titanic clash to come in Scotland. Beginning with Italy, just how impressed were you with the advancements that they've made in 12 months? Before I answer that one, Sean, there was no one else available. It's important to stay too, but <laughs> nonetheless, I'll leave you off with that one. Let's get past it. Um... I wasn't overly impressed with the Italy game, but I think it would be hard to be in some ways. Um, if you were to really try to summarise it in a sentence, 
it struck me as a team who were playing down to one opposition and another team who were playing up to their opposition. That's and fair. Like, how often have you seen that in sport? And you have, say, like the FA Cup is the best example. And you have a big team playing a small team and the big team plays down to their ability and the small team plays up to their ability. Mm. There was a smell of that off Italy to me um, two weeks ago. And you have to commend Italy for their efforts. Ireland did well to deal with it in the sense that they come away with another bonus point win. They keep their opposing team without a losing bonus point. They're the only team to have won three games so far, taking a bonus point in each game and denying all three of those teams losing bonus points in those three games. So there's a there's a value in that. and It's impressive. It is. The other thing is, and look, let's break the fourth wall. I was chatting to you on the phone. I was off last weekend and we had a chat uh, from one couch to the other. And I said to you, and I stand by it, you know, if you think to the great rugby teams that we've seen over the years, and look, let's have Ireland at the moment, number one in the world, best mm-hmm. team that there is, and all that goes with it. If you think back to all the times when New Zealand dominated the number one spot for so many years, New Zealand would go off and they'd play Italy. They'd beat Italy 89-0. They'd, they'd put 70 points on Italy, and they'd go play Fiji, and they'd put you know nearly 100 points on them. That is kind of where Ireland need to be getting towards, ultimately. And I know that's big aspirations, I get that. But nonetheless, if you are going to be best team in the world-type category, regardless of who you're playing, whether they be minnows or not, and we might talk about whether Italy are minnows anymore or not in a moment, but mm-hmm. let's treat them as that for the sake of this conversation. When you're playing those sides, you don't play down, you play to your standard. And unfortunately, they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to accept it. They're going to be in for a rough day, but you are the best team in the world. So putting 50, 60 points on an Italy side like that should be your target if you are this new Ireland number one team. Prior to kickoff, you've Mac Hansen coming out and making a particular note, as I said to, to James there just a few moments ago, that Italy are no longer the whipping boys of the competition. Yeah, And yeah. I wonder how much of that played into the heads in the dressing room prior to the game and you have that electric atmosphere over in the Stadio Olimpico. I think, obviously, when you're looking at Italy now, we very much have a side that have... There, there's undoubtable improvement, particularly in 12 months. Ah, yeah, totally. But they're still very much a 60-minute side, aren't they? This is the thing I've always thought about. I mean, if rugby was a one-hour game, they'd be far more dangerous and they do fade as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. But like they've been a team that's in that have been in transition for about 14 years now. You know, it's it's always a new coach. It's always a new setup. It's a couple of new players. It's They've never had a set structure where they've had a number of years, you know, to, to actually develop and grow. And there is very positive signs right now. And Matt Hansen makes a fair point. They probably aren't the whipping boys in some ways. And you would have had to expect the backlash from Italy in the last couple of campaigns. Because think back to two years ago, we were all talking, let's face it, we were all saying it, like, you know, promotion, relegation, bring in Georgia, leave, you know, leave Italy, play for their place. They shouldn't be guaranteed of it. That's not going to sit well with the Italian Federation, with the Italian players. Like, we're here to take part and you're just, you're just making a joke because you come over to Rome once every two years and you have great crack around and say, hey, drinking good wine and eating pizza. And then the moment you're gone, ah, they don't even deserve to be here, do they? That surely irks them, you know, because they are professionals and they want Absolutely. to compete. And, and you are seeing a growth at the moment. They have some real talent in their teams. You know, there's a couple of names that stand out, Capuozzo and Negri and the likes. They have good players that are there. They're a bit off still, Sean, let's face facts. But they are giving game teams trouble and they're giving teams something to think about. They did it in the first week with the French, albeit an undercooked French side, but nonetheless, they gave them plenty of problems. Mm-hmm. And they gave Ireland the game. Whether Ireland are playing down to their ability or not is irrelevant for this point. Italy gave them problems and they're not what they once were. Let's see if this can keep going into another season and another. Is this season and maybe last a bit of a flash in the pan? We won't know until it's over and said and done. But they are making improvements and you have to admire it. And, and Ireland had to deal with that. And regardless if it was the best performance or not, they dealt with it, they got through it, they got their bonus point. Maybe we're a little bit fortuitous that we have a break and that there's two weeks because I would imagine there's more than one sore body after that. They're a very physical side. Yeah. 
And having that break leading up to that very, very tasty fixture in Scotland can have massive ramifications toward any potential Grand Slam. Building up very, very nicely. It is. And with the fact that it's Scotland we're facing, Scotland are actually playing, this is going to sound a bit crazy, but they're playing a similar style of rugby to what Ireland and Italy are doing at the moment. If we're trying to bracket it off with the six teams we have, Ireland, Italy and Scotland tend to be playing a bit more of an adventurous, expansive game and not to use that heads up rugby because it's a bit of a defunct term, but they are trying to play what's available to them. You have your structures, but when something is on, those teams are taking the opportunities. Scotland probably being the best example of that, who will maybe the least structure from those sides. Whereas then you have France, England and Wales, and you'd be surprised that I say this, but France included in that group aren't as creative in some ways. They are more structured now, and that's the impact of the likes of Sean Edwards being involved in Wales, yeah, or in France, mostly in defence, but nonetheless, the structure applies. France aren't as crazy in attack as they were a year or two ago. They are more prescribed at this How stage. How much does that surprise you? Yeah, a good bit if I think historically with what France are all about and it mm. is to be, you know, allez les bleus and have a go down the... But they, they needed to have structure put on them, right? Um, and you see, going the opposite way then, as we're pointing out with, with the likes of Scotland and who we're going to face, they, they are two teams that will experiment and see what options are available to them. Sorry about the playingscape. So, oh, there we go. And Finn Russell's obviously the prince of doing that. Now, he can set the world on fire or he can burn it to the ground in the exact same moment because, you know, he's one of those mercurial Marmite type players. Um, I'm, I'm a bit unsure of what to expect from this Scotland game with Ireland. Part of me wants to say, ah, it was only Scotland in fairness, you know, we should go and beat Murrayfield. But those arguments are, they're now losing their, their, their strength. I don't think we can. Scotland are second in the table. They've won two of their three games, you know. We're five points ahead of them, thanks to our bonus points. But Absolutely. They have been a tough side, and especially to beat in Murrayfield. They are not uh, an easy team to face, and it's not a nice place to go. So I would be a little bit concerned about this. But in saying that, if the best version of this Ireland team turns up, and the best version of that Scottish team turns up, Ireland are going to win the game. It's going to be a very noisy Murrayfield. Very much welcoming the number one team in the world to say, mm. you know what? It's not just Italy who've made improvements. We have made improvements. Mm -hmm. We can put it up to anybody. At the very least, we're going to leave our mark. And this is one of the things I worry about with Italy following Scotland, the physicality in those teams. Lots of sore bodies after it, leading into what is going to be, hopefully, a memorable day against England on the final day of the campaign. Yeah, and look, it has lined up quite well for us in that sense, in, in, yeah. in the sequence of games, and in terms of the order they come and the standard we've had along the way. And that two-week break probably is crucial for Ireland going in because I said it to you as well in conversation that I thought that Ireland looked a little bit flat against Italy in some ways and struck me as a team who had, had a pretty tough two weeks in between their previous game. And yeah, Andy Farrell, I'm definitely. sure, had uh, run some legs pretty tired. I think that was a little bit evident in the Italy game. So again, coming out that tough game in Italy... Uh, which was, as you say, very physical. Having a good break against uh, ahead of Scotland. I know some of the players have been let off on a mini holiday for the last couple of days. Probably the right move by Paul Connell, Andy Farrell and all. Um, they will need it to be ready because, yeah, whether it's whether you're expecting to go win this game or not, you ultimately have to go and do it. And now you have to do it with, again, players still missing. Like we potentially might have Jameson Gibson Park and Tyke Furlong back, unconfirmed as of yet, but looking good as it stands. Finley Bean was no longer in the mix, so potentially you're going to see Tom O'Toole starting instead, if it's not going to be Furlong. And obviously we lost Tyke Byrne as well for the rest of the campaign. He's going to be a huge loss to Ireland. And especially for the Scottish team, who are quite they're quite potent when it comes to the breakdown, to have the breakdown artist that is Tyke Byrne not available to you will have an impact. So who stands into that breach? You would expect Peter O'Mahony could be the man to do the job there. Um, it's going to be a tricky fixture. I would still say, as I've said, I'm going to back Ireland to get the job done. I do think the Grand Slam is very much on. 
Um, and especially when we have England to, to crowd it off at the end, England don't look like a whole lot at the moment. They do look like a team who have a new coach who is getting to grips with the team. Transition. Transitionary team, that old phrase. James summed it up the best. And it's one of those psychological adages where it's in Ireland's hands. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have to rely on other teams. We don't have to rely mm-hmm. on other results. This is very much in our hands. Yeah. But he made a point in saying they're not looking past Scotland. And that is the key point here. They need to take each game time after time because let's face it, mm-hmm. as good as Ireland are and with the current rank, we're not absolutely overrun with Grand Slams in the trophy cabinet. No, we're not. And and you can run away with yourself quite easily because the the recent history can kind of cloud you a little bit in terms of, of, of the grand scheme and things. Like, you know, we're not a country that has dominated Six Nations again and again. And even though you no. think well, what we have at the moment and we are blessed with talent and, and ability at the moment, um, they aren't easy to win. We don't have a whole lot of them. And Scotland are going to do everything to stop that. Now, the other side of it is player for player. Look, put down the two teams, Sean, right in front of you. And you put down the Irish starting 15 and the Scottish starting 15. How many does Scots get into the Irish team? And I know this has been done before and it comes back to bite you, but not a whole lot of the Scottish team will walk into that Irish team. And even the Irish team that we've seen in this Six Nations, which is not quite the starting Irish team that we would all have if we could, I don't think a whole lot of the Scots do get into it. Does Finn Russell get in ahead of Johnny Sexton? No, I wouldn't think so. And how many else? Maybe Van der Merwe on the wing. Does he go in instead of James Lowe? It's very dangerous when you get into these combined sides. Very, very dangerous. It does. And it's not a fair metric either, but there's a value in it too. Um, I don't think Scotland will have enough to beat Ireland. Now, a lot can change in the space of a week. We do have, you know, the guts of seven days to go still. And God knows next Tuesday we could see injury reports coming out of the Irish camp and saying X, Y and Z are unavailable. That changes the entire slant of everything. Um, but in saying that, right, and we're all excited about potentially winning a Grand Slam and you have to be, right? And you enjoy the ride while you have it. There's no point being too pessimistic. When it's going good, enjoy it while you have. Don't get Absolutely. too over the top. What, what, what's the point in supporting if you can't enjoy these runs? Exactly. But the other side of it is, if the wheels were to come off the cart, okay, and we had a couple of injuries and it didn't go well against Scotland, though we miss out on a chance at a Grand Slam. Yeah, Grand I'm, I'm totally fine with that because we have seen across this whole Six Nations, there's been plenty of talent blooded and tested and valuable game time put into supposed second string players in a tough nailed hard played championship we do have a bigger tournament coming up on the horizon later this summer or later in the summer in France at the World Cup to have those players the likes of Tam O'Toole the likes of Finley Beelham the likes of even O'Connor Murray is well experienced to get some more game time in recent times those players getting in and getting valuable game time in the Six Nations is going to be huge when we look to the World Cup the one thing I'd be concerned of is have we started that process a little bit too late and has it been forced you know we had last year Six Nations too where we had a full health to pick from and we weren't picking second string players. It took an injury to Tyg Farlong and it took an injury to Jimson Gibson Park for these players to get into the team. We had to have an Ireland Day touring uh, South Africa side for the likes of Tom Ahern and these players to get game time. There's a lot of reliance. Have we started a little bit too late with the World Cup now coming? Nonetheless, it has happened. If for the wrong reasons, it's happened nonetheless and there has been game time put into that team. So in the grander scheme of things, if it doesn't work against Scotland and they can beat us at Murrayfield, congratulations. Well done, guys. I'd still be quite content with what I've seen in the Six Nations, knowing that can be brought forward to France later this summer. When you look at the boxing adage and you say that styles make fights, yeah. I think that's very, very apt here for yeah, Ireland yeah, and Scotland yeah. and Murrayfield. Yeah. Whatever way it goes, momentum is high. Mm-hmm. Confidence is high. Confidence is high not only in, in, in the dressing room, but in the country. You're backing Ireland to get the job done in the day? I am as it stands. Look, we'll see what happens next week, but looking at what we have at the moment and who we have to pick from and... 
and the standard we're playing at the moment, yeah, I'm back in Ireland to beat Scotland and um, setting us up for an all holes barred sea opening in the last <laughs> one. That's it. Nigel, pleasure as always. Take care, my friend. Thanks, Sean. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. That is everything for today and it's been great to spend the last three hours with you all. Continue sending your messages through to sport at beat102103.com. Beat Anthems is moments away, but I've got one final message for every sports club in the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie Club Focus is absolutely thriving and you can still get your name in the hat. Each month, I visit a club in the region and I give them a chance to take their place in the limelight. You get to feature on air, online and across all of our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one of the lucky clubs will bag €1,000 bursary and that winning club will be chosen through an extensive public vote. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that local clubs do while also celebrating the positive impact that you all have on your local communities. So if you want to get your club involved, Head to beat102103.com forward slash Club Focus to apply now. I'll see you soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie